right here today. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Tell your neighbor as you're being seated, I'm glad I got to sit by you today. hear much chatter so maybe some people aren't happy about it all right well you're gonna come here you got to learn how to laugh amen we're gonna have fun we're gonna rejoice in the lord and uh, it's a place that we ought to be able to laugh and praise god and celebrate one another amen praise god last sunday we began uh to talk to you about Redigging the wells. We talk, are doing this series, Do It Again. And just felt like it's a theme, at least for the first of this year, if not the entirety of this year, that we will be on to just refocus on what God desires for us to do. Because as important as it is to know that God does new things, I mean, know God does new things. He also redoes things, but he never does them the same again. He always does them in a different way. Just, I don't know, just probably to say I'm God. And I can do it the way that I desire to do it. But, but we want to look today because uh, there are some things that we need not to, to leave behind, but we need to reintroduce to the kingdom of God in this hour in which we live. This generation needs to see some things that the old church seen amen and there are also some things that uh that that we need to abandon the church needs to see the good huh and nobody gonna help me today my mom's calling me And, uh, but the church needs to see, the, this generation needs to see the manifest presence of God. They need to experience the goodness of God, the love and the grace of God. They need to experience some things that I experienced as a young boy that has caused me to not be able to be talked out of. That there is a God in heaven that really does love us. Does anybody else feel that way? Amen. There are some nonsense and there's some craziness in the spirit of religion that must be broken. And I believe that is being broken off of this generation. But there are some things that we need to hold fast to. Last Sunday, let me just review for just a moment. Last Sunday, we talked about redigging the wells. And we laid this foundation of why you dig a well. During that time, they didn't dig wells just because it was fun or because they had a big system to be able to do it. But in fact, they had to dig, dig it with picks and shovels. They had to do it in a laborsome way. But it was in the time of famine. And whenever there is a famine in the land and the rivers dry up, the brooks dry up, and there is no water to be found, it forced them to go and dig wells because even though there was not water on the surface there was water under the surface right and uh times in we said first of all in times of famine people will turn on each other and kill each other and we talked about the famine that came into the land and the bible said there was a famine inside of samaria until they began to eat one another's children. We said that the enemy comes in times of famine to try to get us to turn on the next generation, to abandon them, to even devour them, to where that the next generation will be destroyed. The Bible talks about them eating the flesh. And whenever we get into times of drought and famine, we begin to rely on the flesh instead of the spirit. And we eat from the flesh instead of the spirit man because when you get in a drought nobody wants to pray nobody wants to come to church huh not talking to anybody today and 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 we don't read the word we don't fast we don't pray we don't feel like doing all of these things and so as a result of that we begin to eat the flesh we talked also about the fact that famine comes to get you to move from the place of your promise what you must remember is in times of famine famines do not last forever hallelujah 
They are there just for a season. It's temporary. But your famine and your blessing are in the same land, right? The same place that God had sent Isaac and there was a famine is the same place that God ordained a blessing to come into his life. And so everything you need is in the land that God told you to stay in. But the fact of it is that in that same land, there will be famines because Isaac had to deal with a famine. And the Bible is specific in saying this is not the famine that his father Abraham had to deal with. In other words, every generation deals with their own kind of famine. Amen. But nonetheless, we all have a famine. So today I want to continue on that and I want to begin in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 12. And the Bible said, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continue prospering until he became very prosperous for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants so the Philistines envied him now the Philistines had stopped up the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father and they had filled them with earth and Amalek said to Isaac go away from us for you are much mightier than we Verse 17, and then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gir and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which he had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by names, which his father had called them. Verse 19, and I also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word on today. In Bible times, wells had different meanings. They had different purposes. Wells were, for instance, the wells were a meeting place. Wells were accessible in and they were able to, in an open place, where the people could come and meet one another at the well. They was also a, a place where that negotiations were done. They would come there to the well and they would discuss matters and they would make negotiations and it would be a place of the well. They were also uh, landmarks. They would drill a well or dig a well in that time. And the name of the well would become synonymous with the land. It would be known as the same because the well had such significance and it had such a, it was such a place that everyone would know the land by the well. It was very important in that day. It was very important in that time. But also not only was it a landmark, but it was a hiding place. In 2 Samuel chapter 17, when Jonathan and his servant would go down and begin to look in on Absalom and trying to figure out what his next move was against his, Dave, his father David on this onslaught and this takeover, hostile takeover, uh, he, he, one of Absalom's servants would see them and they would go and hide themselves in the well that was inside of the uh, field. These, of course, are just secondary functions. The primary function is to draw water that would sustain life. It was, it was uh, something that, that whenever you begin to look at wells, as I told you before, and I, I do my best to try to crawl up into the text and put myself in the storyline and try to figure out what people were saying or why they were saying a thing or why they were doing a thing. But for the past several weeks, I've been studying and looking at this. In fact, the last uh, nearly two months now and, and looking at this. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out and, uh, why that anybody would want to stop up a well. Why would you want to cause that, that where there is living water, where there is no water, why would you want to stop that up? But I understand that, that 
it was Abraham's enemy that got so jealous at his now son Isaac that began to receive the blessing in the time of famine. He, he was receiving a hundredfold on his seed. And the Bible said that he began to be prosperous and he got so prosperous that, that his enemy began to envy him. And, and so now they said, we, we've got to stop up the well. We're going to do harm to him. We're, we know that he's being blessed, not just because of him, but because of what his father has has done and so we must stop that blessing from taking place but we know the reality of it was as it was just a symbol Isaac and his blessing had come from generation to generation it was the promised seed of God and so therefore it didn't matter that the well was stopped up the blessing was still on his life aren't you thankful today that you're as you're faithful with God and you walk with God for a season and for a time that the enemy may come and take that which causes you to look like you're blessed and take it away, Joseph. Get your coat and run with it. But the blessing is still on your life no matter if they stop up your well or take your coat. God said, I'm going to bless you. Amen. And the faithfulness of God is this, that even though the wells were stopped up, the blessings of God kept flowing into Isaac and his people. Amen. And you see, Abraham dug wells, and when he dug wells, you, you're, you're digging it not only for you, but you're digging it for another generation. Amen. This isn't just about me, Abraham says. This is about the promise that God gave me, that there's going to be others that are coming behind me. And because the promise is more than just about me, but God said it's about me and my descendants and my descendants' descendants, then there needs to be water in this desert place all of the time. Amen. Abraham dies and no one guards or protects the wells that have been dug and so the enemy comes in and plugs up the wells amen I don't know what they stop the wells up with I don't know what they use to stop the wells up how they covered them up but what I do know is this that the enemy if you do are not careful will stop up the wells of your potential he will stop up the wells of your future promise he will stop up the wells anytime that he can because they've got to be guarded and protected. Thank God for the faithfulness of other generations that were willing to dig the well. But it's up to us to protect the well because if you do not protect that which gives life, it will be stopped up and the enemy will continue to come in. He's not just going to sit by and say, oh my goodness, they've got water now in this desert place. Oh no. He's going to come and you've got to guard and protect what God has given you. Amen. Each and every day, you thank God for where you are. Thank God for what you have. But if you do not guard and protect it, the enemy will try to take it away. Amen. I don't know what they stopped them up with. It doesn't tell us a lot about what they stopped them up with. But the Bible said they stopped them up and then they covered them up with earth. They may have put dead animals in there. They may have used it as a dump. But whatever they did, it stopped it up. And somehow it leads me to believe that they were contaminated. Huh? That they become contaminated to a place that they were stopped up, they were filled up, and now it was not giving life-sustaining substance any longer. They have, may have put all kinds of things there. We can use our imagination, but whatever they put there, it worked to stop the wells up. Which leads me to my spiritual concern that just like Abraham's wells got stopped up, so have our father's wells been stopped up. It leads me to believe that when we look at the American church, that which was once a life-giving well, where the spirit has been and there is a life source, 
that now there is, it has become a cesspool of humanity. And we have seen the parades of flesh and the manipulations of men that have taken uh, where there was once life-giving water. But now it's about the flesh. It's about what the flesh can do. It's about personalities. But let me tell you something today. That Jesus paid far too a price for you to have pride. For you to think it's all about you. To think that he's going to build his kingdom on you. No, it's not built on man it's not built on flesh it's not built on our personalities it's built on nothing less than Jesus blood and his righteousness and so we must understand today that in this society in which we live that we have to know that there is a life-giving source and even though that some wells may have been corrupted and even though that some places that once you could believe that I can get a fresh drink of spiritual water from that well it may be contaminated now it does not do away with the fact that there are still wells of life giving water there is still a place that a hurting man can come and find hope there is still a place where the dry and thirsty and the barren dying sinner can come and get a drink of salvation from the well there is still a place where those who are oppressed and bound and tormented can come and drink from the water and one drink from that well will set you free for the rest of your life I'm thankful today for the well if you're thankful for it give him praise right here today the wells have been stopped up with what we think is right and not what God says is right Because there is a way that seems right unto man. I read it somewhere. But the end thereof is destruction. Amen. We've got polluted wells. I'm not here today to tell you that we're the only life-giving well. I'm not here today to say that if you don't come here, that's foolishness. We're just part of the kingdom of God. Amen. We're just one place where that a thirsty soul can find water. But I want to tell you today that in America, we are seeing the wells of our fathers that are being contaminated with humanism and with the skeptic, the, the, with the, all of the political things of the earth. We, we are more worried about being politically correct than we are biblically correct. Amen. I'm telling you today that there has to be a shift and we've, somebody's got to go back to the wells of our fathers amen and say we're going to redig these wells because below this surface there is a life-giving source there is strength there is hope there is healing and there is deliverance the wells today is where we will find strength not only for our family not only for our personal life not only for our church but for America amen the wells have been stopped up They've been stopped up and we think that we're right. Amen. I'm not that old. I'm just, I'm just a couple centuries. I'm not that old. But I'm old enough to understand that something has shifted in our nation till, till people don't know right from wrong. There's no lines anymore. There's no balance any longer. There isn't no truth. It's just whatever you think is true. Huh? Humanism. If you think it, then that's so. Right? That's the way it is. And it's crept into the church. I said it's crept into the church. It's come into the church to become a culture in the church because we've never continued to hold the fort to begin to say there is a balance, there is a line and and we're not going to drink from the cesspool of the world. It may take us some work, but we're going to redig the wells of righteousness. We're going to redig the wells of grace and mercy and peace. We're going to redig the wells of salvation. Because you see, salvation is more than you knowing about God. Huh? 
Salvation is more than you coming to church. Salvation is knowing that there, you know, some people say, well, we just don't want people to feel uncomfortable. Listen to me. If you are not uncomfortable, you will never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I understand what people are saying. Yes, have donuts and coffee. But if you don't have something more powerful than donuts and some strong coffee, you're never going to be set free from the bondage of this world. But there has got to be a conflict in the soul of man to understand that I have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that I cannot do this on my own and I do need a savior. I need somebody to deliver me from my sin and know that the old man passes away and behold all things become new and now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. If that's happened to you, give him some praise right here today. You see, the well has been stopped up and we think it's right because we haven't had a standard, a balance. But the best standard and balance, the best way, the best way to, to know that you're not right is to get in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, nobody has to condemn you. Nobody has to tell you you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Huh? No, in your soul. Just in his presence. That's the reason why we have worship. That's the reason why we have the preaching of the word. It's not some religious rigor that we go through. It's because we're hosting the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, we begin to get challenged in our lives. And when we're challenged, it will cause us to say either, yes, we're going the right direction or no, we're going in the wrong direction. Amen. And so we have to take the well that flowed with truth and turn it back into that. (laughs) Because today... And I'm not mad at nobody but the devil. You understand? I'm not on some kind of hype thing or something like that. But but, but what I am, I'm concerned about the church because we've taken that which was one time flowing truth and turned it into a feel-good gospel so that we can accommodate or we can get more people. I'm all for more people because more people means that we've reached more, huh? But the reality of it is if you, if you cause it to be where that there is no conflict of the spirit and the soul, then there is no conviction and where there is no conviction, people leave feeling good about their sin. If all we have is wonderful worship and we do have it, huh? We've got wonderful worship, but if all the world comes in and all they see is another concert, but never experience the presence of God. If they come in and all they hear is another feel-good, inspirational message that calls to to try to encourage them to be better and self-help, then we are not fulfilling the call and the mandate that God has given us. Because we're here for more than just feel good. Sometimes you ought not leave church feeling good. Huh? If you're sleeping with another man's wife, you ought not leave here feeling good. If you're stealing from God, you ought not leave here feeling good. If you got bitterness and envy in your heart, one toward another, there ought to be a conviction up in this house, not feel good, but oh God, here I am and forgive me of my sin and cleanse my well, cleanse my heart so that I can be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. We've got to understand, yes, there's got to be a conflict of the soul because bitter and sweet water don't come out of the same well. Amen. But we've compromised. Amen. We don't want to offend anyone. How many know me? I, I don't, 
I don't go around trying to offend people. Amen. You understand. But at the reality of it is that this gospel is confrontational. This gospel is in your face. Jesus was offensive. When he came to religious people, (laughs) he called them vipers. He called them whitewashed tombs. He called the woman that was sick a devil. You remember that? Not a devil, a dog. (laughs) And said, you're not of the house of Israel. Amen. And so, no, that the Bible said that, that this gospel, Jesus said that this is going to separate mother and father. Huh? It's going to be a separating. Why? Because it isn't about dividing us. Hear the gospel. But it's about saying that this is about you and God. This is about understanding that, that you have it. And thank God for grandma and thank God for daddy. But this is about you and God. And there has to be a time in your life where that we quit being religious about a thing. Quit coming to church and going through the motions. But understand that all that is is, is a, a, a whitewashed gospel. All that is is vipers. All that is is t- that had looked good on the outside but death is on the inside but Jesus said I've come to break all of that up I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly I've come that you might not just look good on the outside but you look as good on the inside as you do on the outside so that you don't have to worry about the expectations of people or the opinions of the world you know who you are in Christ Jesus Amen. Compromise doesn't do anyone any good. Amen. I've said it for a long time. You know, just think about how we have two different standards for the world and the church. If if I've got something wrong with me, uh, I want the doctor to tell me. Huh? I don't want to go to the doctor and uh, he look at me and, you know, God forbid, and we speak against all of that, but my body be full of cancer and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, Brian, go live a wonderful life. You are great. But we do it every Sunday in the American church. Go live a wonderful life. God understands. No, there has to be change. What happened to the hunger? Forgive me for reminiscing, but what happened to the hunger of people that when they got saved, they came and drank from the well and the well, that drink that they got from the well turned them on. They they didn't become heroin addicts. They came addicted to Jesus and they couldn't do without him. And you watched them come to the house of God faithful. And you watched them worship. And you watched them get in the word. And you seen them begin to grow as infant children into adulthood or into a spiritual strong somebody. Why? Because they had a conflict in their soul. And people said, the way you're going is wrong. But there is a well of salvation. There is a well of hope. Amen. And so we don't, we don't need to compromise. Even worse than that, we have wells that stopped up. And whenever you have wells that are stopped up, it, 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 I think of that as bad. But whenever the well is not stopped up, but is contaminated and polluted, and you don't even know it. Because... False religions don't take and just create their own thing. They get a little bit of Bible and they mix it up real good. Huh? And then as they get it mixed up real good and it looks like a little Bible, but then they get a little heresy with it and they'll get a little this and a little that and a little humanism and they mix it all together and then it spews out of the well and it makes us feel good because it's easier. The easy way is not always the best way. 
I said the easy way is not always the best way. Amen. And we have to be careful because whenever we, we, there is contamination that spews out and is polluted and we don't even know it and people are drinking it in as though it is pure gospel. Do you know that we're in the most biblically illiterate generation that has ever been in America? You talk about Moses and they think it's a basketball player. You get that. Well, maybe some of you won't. That's a little while later. Let's try Jordan. You talk about Jordan and somebody will think it's a basketball player. They don't know it was a river. They don't know it was a significant place in the kingdom of God, right? We're dealing with illiterate people and they're grasping, they're hungry. It's not that people are not hungry. I've heard preachers make the excuse, nobody wants to hear the gospel anymore. Nobody wants to hear the truth anymore. Baloney. Baloney. What we need to do is understand that there is a hurting people all over this region. There is a hurting nation. What do you think the uproar is about? You know what all these marches are? You know what's going on all over our nation? People rising up and fighting. It's because they don't have spiritual strength. So they're doing in the natural what they cannot do in the spirit. But they're looking for a spiritual answer. They're looking for something greater than themselves. But they're doing all that they can in their flesh. But I want to tell you that they're looking. They're hungry. They're desperate and they're looking for something. And we need to be a well of living water in the midst of the desert amen when you're drinking from the well that you think is good water only to find out that it makes you sick we have some polluted pulpits in america that have made our church and our nation sick amen i'm not one to get up and criticize and call names i don't believe in all of that But what I want to tell you is that many ask about the American church, why that that we're seeing American church look just like the world, why there's no difference between us, why there's no power to heal, deliver, set free, why, why, why? The greatest problem in America, listen to me, the greatest problem in America is not the courthouse, it's not the state house or the white house, the greatest problem in America is the church house. And the greatest place of problem is where I'm standing today, the pulpits of America. Let me tell you the mess that this nation is in is a result of the pulpit being weak. The problems of our nation is a result of the, what used to give life giving well, no matter what the opinions of the world would be, that they would stand firm and say, this is the word of the Lord. Today we have a watered down gospel that has no power. People are not being set free. People are not being delivered and lives are not being changed. The only difference has become, become the church on Sunday morning, but the devil is alive. Jesus paid too far a greater price for us to just go through the traditions of men. He has paid that price. He drilled a well on Calvary's cross that we can have life and have it more abundantly and we can be set free from every power of the enemy. Amen. This nation's in a mess today because the state of the church in America is in a mess. Preachers have been turned into motivational speakers. We have no power to set the captive free. Huh? That is our responsibility. Amen. We've been turned into motivational self-help speakers. How to have a better this and how to have a better that. And I'm all for, understand there is a place for discipleship. You understand? Take the whole gospel, not just part of it. But let me listen to me. We, people go into seminary believing and come out doubting. And somehow in some way, this, this hour that we're living in, we need a revival in the pulpit. 
We need to return back to the ancient wells that our father dug and say, if it costs me, I wonder how many preachers we'll have next week if it becomes illegal to preach the gospel. I wonder how many will how many churches will be left open next month if it becomes that, that it is illegal to worship such as we're worshiping today. How many will still show up? You see, it's easy to be a Christian in America because it doesn't cost you anything. Amen. But China, where they have to dig into a hole or they go into a cave or at 2 o'clock in the morning they get up and they go. Can I tell you that they're, they're growing exponentially. That they say they, that people that are studying that move of God in China say that if it continues to grow like it's growing today in China, that in 10 years there will be more Christians in China than anywhere in the world. And they're oppressed. Try being a, a Christian in Iraq. Amen. It's not popular there. You don't go to church on Sunday like you do here. What are you saying? I'm not saying that it ought to be to be harmful to you. What I'm telling you is that we have it so easy, but yet people still not do not want to be a part of what God is doing. God is calling the church to be the church. He is calling us to separate ourselves from the world and become that wellspring of living water, even if it's not politically correct, even if it's not social. Us received, we've got to be the well of living water because it's the only hope for the world. Amen. Verse 15 said, and they filled the wells with earth. Filled the wells with earth. What was Adam made of? We've got so much flesh in our wells and not enough spirit until we don't see a real move of God. And I'm not preaching to you today from the mountaintop. I'm preaching to you today. I told staff the other day, I said that the Lord told me, he said, I've given you a gift and use that gift to get where I want you to go. And the gift God's given me is preach. And so I'm going to preach my way to where God wants me to go. So I hope that you enjoy the journey. (laughs) amen but you see we've got too much flesh in the well to the where the spirit can't rise to where the spirit can't flow flesh can't save you flesh can't heal you flesh cannot deliver you all flesh can do is make flesh feel good about flesh amen But me feeling good about you feeling good doesn't make me feel any better about my mess. Come on, somebody. The things of the Spirit make no sense to the flesh. Salvation makes no sense to the flesh. Prayer makes no sense to the flesh. Giving makes no sense. Serving makes no sense. We've got to get out of the flesh that has stopped up our wells and get into life-giving water again. Unprotected wells become contaminated. You can spend a lot of money and time drilling wells, but if it remains open and unprotected, it will begin to fill in. It will become contaminated. A little dirt here, a branch and a twig there. Some over here, some over there until it begins to cave in on itself and begins to fill in with corruption and earth. Amen. God blessed Isaac so that his enemies became jealous and stopped up the wells. Isaac's servants knew the value of the wells and began to redig again the wells of his father Abraham. He redug the first well, and the enemy comes and says it's ours. And there was a quarrel or a struggle over the well. So this is, you know, I've tried to figure this out because in my own self, I would have said that my servants dug that well, and we're going to drink from that well, 
But that wasn't what Isaac did. The Bible said he left it and he went and redug another well. Huh? Redug another well. And wouldn't you know the enemy comes and says, that's our well too. And there was a quarrel over that well. And so Isaac doesn't continue in his fight. He just goes and to another place and digs yet another well. I, I put in my notes, anytime there is something new or fresh, there will be tension. I wrote down, anything new causes pain. Now that don't sound right at first, but just think about it because I have for a while. Anything new causes pain. If you want a new car, you got to either up the cash or get a payment. Right? Same thing with a house. If you want a new house, you've got to, with that new thing comes the pain of paying for it. Let's try this. If you want a baby, quiet up in here the joy and the excitement of thinking about having a baby is wonderful it's joyous it's life-changing but when you have that baby it's pain somewhere for a woman to say amen somebody's got to pay for it that's quiet. There's pain in the newness because there's been expansion to the family. It now takes more food. It takes more, it takes diapers. It takes a bigger house. Come on, somebody. It takes a larger car. It, it's, it's painful, but the new thing supersedes the pain. Because the baby has brought you more joy than it has pain. Huh? And the Bible said that uh, the scriptures tells us in one place it said that he calls him to forget the toil or the pain of his father's house. Each of us go through a painful season when new things are coming. That's how you know that you're about to step into something new. When the pain comes, when the quarreling starts, when the tension comes, understand that it isn't there just to say that you have, see if you can go through the pain, the quarrel, or the tension. It's to tell you there's about to be something new birthed into your life that is going to be greater than the pain and the struggle and the tension that you've gone through in order to receive a new the new you must be willing to go through the stretching and the pulling and the calling and the pain to get the new God used the calling to push and bring Isaac to a place of expansion The word when he drug, dug yet another well and he's called it Sheba. It is the place of expansion. It is the place of wide border. It is an open place. It is this place that God had promised Isaac multiplication. That he is not just going to add to him. He is certainly not going to take away from him. The day of pain and tension and struggle is over. But now Isaac you've been faithful. You've dug the well and I know you went through calling and tension. But now I've brought you supernaturally to the place of multiplication. Hallelujah. You see God wants to multiply his seed. He wants to renew the promise. He didn't give him a new other a new promise he renewed the promise he gave to his father Abraham he said I'm going to multiply your seed I'm going to cause you to be blessed and God is wanting today to cause his people to say don't give up on the wells don't abandon the wells and don't let the pain turn you around just keep on walking keep on believing 
marching because the pain is a sign that I'm about to take you into a place of multiplication that is not just adding to you but it's multiplying you praise God I'm telling you today that if we can get a hold of this and believe it in our lives God has a season for the American church where we're not going to just stagger along or just get along to be along but we're going to see a multiplication of the kingdom of God that's going to advance in our nation like never before and I don't know about you I may never have a a ministry that's international I may not have a national ministry but I've got a platform in this region that says that the kingdom of God is about to be multiplied and expand in this season in this region glory to God All we got to do is redig the wells. Amen. My cousins keep gas wells clean. That's how they make their living. There's wells in the Gulf that have been drilled and never one drop of gas taken off of them. They're all over the Gulf, they're all over the South, Louisiana. And my cousins make a living keeping those wells clean for the day they need the gas. They go in and they call it shooting the well because even though there hasn't been anything taken off of it, it can get debris and it can get things inside of it that can cause it to to not be able to, to draw the gas out when it's needed. So they go and they shoot the well so that there is unrestriction of flow of the gas when it's needed. Sometimes we just need to shoot the well. Amen. We may not need it right now, but I promise you the day will come when you will need it. Amen. Lisa, come and just help me play something softly. That'll help me. As I close today, I want to share a story with you about redrilling the well at home. Whenever we, whenever I was at home and a young boy, we lived in the country. Thank God for the country. <laughs> We didn't have city water, we had a well. And I remember one hot summer, it'd been a long summer and it was the first time that I'd ever even knew where the well was that we got water from. But one summer the well went dry. So it became necessary for us to get water in the house. And I don't know, there may be some country folk here that know what I'm talking about, but my dad went across the road and got Mr. Sayre because he knew how to find water. He'd take him two welding rods and bend it in an L shape and hold it up close to his face and start walking all over our property. And those well rods, when he would find water, they would begin to cross. And when it found a strong place, it would cross all the way over his shoulders. And he said, this is the place to drill water. Well, Mr. Sarah had walked all over our property and that well that was close to the house and and none of there was no change there was no movement there was a little bit here a little bit there but nothing significant but whenever he walked past where that old well was that had dried up suddenly those rods just flipped back over his shoulder and mr sayer standing over the old well said right here's where the water is don't let them drill nowhere else but right here 
You're wasting your money. The well diggers came or the drillers came. And the conversation that my father had with them would go something like this. Here's the well. It's dry. There's no water coming in. But yet, our neighbor that knows how to find water says this is where we need to drill. And the well driller said, that's easy. It doesn't make, uh, it isn't confusing to me. He said, when this well was drilled, somebody hit a pocket of water and they thought it was good enough. But he said, down deeper, there's a river that is flowing. There's something deeper. He said, all we need to do, there's no need for us to go redigging another well and spending all that money. We're going to put the drill right down in this old well. But we're going to dig deeper in the well until we hit the river that is flowing. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today that sometimes in our life we we come through a dry season. and, And it seems like that all is dry, all is lost. But what we need to do is just dig deeper in the well. Dig deeper in the well because there's a river flowing. I said there is a river flowing. All we've got to do is dig deeper and we will hit the water. We will hit the flow and it will sustain us in the trout. Glory to God. You know what we did? We didn't redig a well. We just redug the well that was there. We went a little further and we hit the river. And until the day I left the house, we never had another water problem. Because we redig dug the well that was there, we just went deeper. I'm talking to somebody today. I said, I'm talking to somebody today.